Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the September 21st edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. September has been a sad month for tennis fans. Roger Federer and Serena Williams, two of the greatest players in history, both announced their retirements. Federer's last event is the Laver Cup team tournament, which will be played Friday through Sunday at the O2 Arena in London. Federer will play for Team Europe, which will compete against Team World. Whether it's tennis, basketball, or football, or other sports, there's always spirited discussion about the greatest players of all time. In London, Roger Federer was asked where he sits at the greatest tennis player of all time table. I'm definitely very proud and I'm very happy where I sit. One of my big moments, of course, was winning uh, my 15th slam at Wimbledon when Pete was uh, sitting there. Anything after that was a bonus. That was the record, you know, and then, of course, there was other records along the way. But then, of course, nowadays, um, players will want to chase records. You know, I'm very happy. I that I was able to win another five slams from 15 on. Uh, for me, it was, um, was incredible. And that I made it to over 100 titles and all that stuff has been fantastic. Just a fantastic tennis career for Roger Federer. I mentioned that greatest of all time table. Well, Roger Federer certainly has a buffet of highlight moments to chew upon. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't really gone into deep diving, thinking about what are those moments. You know, top of my head, obviously, think about first Wimbledon, match with Sampras at Wimbledon, 2017 comeback, you know, win in Australia, 09 French Open. But I know there's a lot of different little nuggets. I'm sure that I have to really go back to the memory bank a little bit and think like, okay, where moments that meant a lot to me. I'm fortunate that I, I can almost pick and choose which moments were the best because there were so many. And what's next for Roger Federer after the Laver Cup? Catch up a little bit, see everybody, and then um, go, go on vacation a little bit with, uh, with the family. And I think it's a perfect moment for me to then spend time with Mirka and uh, get on the phone with, uh, with the team and just uh, talk about a little bit about the Labour Cup. You know, how, how has this week gone and uh, where do we go from here? Between them, Roger Federer and Serena Williams won 43 Grand Slam singles titles. Roger won 20 and Serena 23. The 41-year-old Federer turned professional in 1998, while Serena, who turns 41 on September 26th, became a professional in 1995. So each tennis superstar had nearly a quarter century of success. For reaction to their retirements, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with Nigerian tennis analyst Adekunle Salami. The coincidence of the retirement of the two tennis greats is one thing that uh, every lover of the game will have to ponder about. For example, while Federer retired, people were thinking, 
who is there in the meal? Is it Novak? Is it uh, um, Nadal? Nadal is already the best in uh, Grand Slam. However, Novak is also there. So while we are looking at what is going to happen in the meal circuit, Serena also retires. So the two of them have paid their dues looking at the two. Roger won 20. Serena won 23. 23 behind Margaret. I'm not sure we'll have anybody close to that very soon because those who are coming, they are still way, 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 way back. So it means we have so many rivers to cross in terms of those who will live like these legends of the game. Federer has paid his dues. Serve and volley player Serena with her strength um, in the female circuit. How do you look at them and think you will not miss what they are putting in the game? Very, very sad, but pictures, stories, and what they have done will continue to live in our minds as tennis players, tennis followers, and tennis uh, lovers altogether. Do you think the tennis family will miss Roger Federer and Serena Williams? Well, it's, it's another statement to even ask whether they will miss these two great players. He will miss Federer for his calmness on the court. He will not fight anybody. He will pick his points and move on. Even when you have a bad call against Federer, he will look at it. He will be calm to pick other points to win the game. You will miss the agility of Serena. You will miss her fashion. You will miss the dresses. You will miss the way she wear her skimpy dress, the way she, she, will, she will jump after every win, the way she will laugh, the way she will use her strength to outmuscle the opponent. You will miss the romance, the, the so many things attached to Serena. Some people watch tennis just because of Serena's uh, uh, physical, physical build. Some watch tennis because of her beauty. Some watch tennis because of so many other things she brings to the game. Ter Serena brought female tennis into limelight. Let me say William's sister because Venus was also there. There was a time we were having Ver uh, Venus versus Serena all through in the circuit. So these two people will be missed. We will miss Fedra, we will miss Serena. No doubt about it. Fedra, the, the rivalry with Novak, the rivalry with Nadal. Now, Serena had so many people to contend with. As first, she was contending with the sister Venus. Later, she started competing with so many females. In the female circuit, there is no king or queen there. There was a time, there was uh, Hingis, there was Clysters. There were so many people that came up. As I speak now, so many of them. It is open. The female circuit is open. And that is why it was difficult for Serena to equal the record of Margaret. If the female circuit has been as um, a little predictable like men, Serena will have won 24th or 25th slam. Do you also think that Roger Federer and Serena Williams served as role models for up-and-coming African players? Yeah, I'll, I'll mention Serena. A lot of people believe Serena has an African link, especially Nigeria. The clothes they wear, Serena and Venus, sometimes they wear what we call Adire in a Nigerian palace. Adire is a Yoruba fabric from uh, Abeokuta in the western part of Nigeria. So a lot of people believe maybe they are from Nigeria. However, they are not. I met her at one international tournament and I approached Venus and said, are you people from Nigeria? I said, no. Where did you grow up? She said, Florida. So the Africanness, their love for black and uh, natural things make people to take them as Africans. So they are not, but 
they tend to behave like a black black pedigree, so to say. And so that is why you will, you will look at them as a role model for other Africans. You look at Keys, the other U.S. girl growing up, she's not up to it, but she's also growing up like them. Freda is a role model to everybody. He, he, he costs across everybody. If an average tennis player will want to play like Fedra, for Serena, an African will look at Serena because she's black to just say, okay, let me be like Serena. So for the two of them, the, the, the African angle is more to the Serena than uh, Fedra. Fedra is a global, global team. For, for Serena, she's also global, but because she's black, and she has the physical nature of an average African. African players who tend to look at her as a role model. That's Nigerian tennis analyst Adekunle Salami. And he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. Now let's go to Toronto, Canada, where these tennis fans talked about Serena's legacy. She contributed so much. Um, very importantly to me, she showed that as an African-American that you can uh, compete at the highest level For as an African-American woman. She just is strong. She's confident. She's, um, um, she's Serena, and she made it easy for the rest of us to, to, to be proud. We're a little bit depressed. <laughs> <laughs> she's an icon. Because she is an yeah, icon. Absolutely. We would love to see her continue to play, but obviously right now it's time for her to spend time on herself, so we can't We're happy for her. She's ready to go. She's done a great job. She's left quite a legacy, yep. especially for little black girls all over the world, mm-hmm. and we're happy to see her move on to other things. Uh, we can see how much they have changed the game of women's tennis. And for women of color and people of color who didn't have opportunities, they have opened many, many doors and kicked down many, many barriers for many, many people. And so they mean the world. And Serena means the world because she is the greatest of all time. She's done a lot for the world of tennis, for women, for black women specifically. So I think she's done her work and it's time to pass it on. If she wants to keep playing great, but if she wants to retire, I think that is more than welcome for all the work that she's done. You've been listening to some tennis fans in Toronto, Canada, commenting on the legacy of Serena Williams. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. Like Serena Williams and Roger Federer, Francis Tiafo is inspiring players to pick up their racket, do the work, and try to be a success on the tennis court. If you tuned into Monday's show, my VOA friend and colleague Jackson Vungani had a report on Francis Tiafo and how he's inspiring players in his parents' homeland of Sierra Leone. the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. 
My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. You can check out your favorite VOA programs, including the sunny side of sports, at voaafrica.com. For world news, go to voanews.com and tell them Sonny sent you. professional golf the president's cup team tournament tees off thursday in the southern u.s city of charlotte north carolina the 12 member team usa will take on a 12 player international team george mcneely has this preview for us from charlotte oh captain my captain was a poem written in 1865 by walt whitman upon the death of president abraham lincoln For some reason, it came to mind today as I listened to the international captain, Trevor Immelman, whose team of 12 features seven first-time participants against a U.S. team with lots of experience here on Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina. Several players who were part of a dominating U.S. performance in last year's Ryder Cup. Such a stacked and strong American team uh, that are coming in here with a ton of confidence after that performance you mentioned at at Whistling Straits. So for us, a young team with a bunch of rookies, this is an incredible experience for us to be here on American soil with a build-out like this that is just second to none. i got to tip my cap to the PGA Tour and to the Harris family for everything they've done. Uh, this is going to be an absolute spectacle. Oddsmakers are heavily favoring the Americans given the recent defection of Open champion Cameron Smith and other notable players to the upstart rival Live Golf Tour. Everybody has a right to make their own decisions, and I respect those guys making those decisions. I also do respect them for keeping me in the loop, making sure that I understand exactly where we're at at all times so that I could try and be prepared as I could. Statistically, Team USA should dominate match play, but American captain Davis Love III is unwilling to let his team believe any of the chatter. A lot of great coaches will tell you the games aren't played on paper. You know, they're played out there on the golf course. Um, statistically, yes, we have a we have a higher ranked team. But I know a bunch of those young guys on, on their team, and they're going to come in um, with a chip on their shoulder and together. Talk about a long, tough putt. The international team is trying to win the 14th biennial competition for just the second time. The internationals are 1-11-1, with its only win coming in 1998 at Royal Melbourne in Australia. The U.S. team has five of the top 10 players in the world and 11 of the top 20 in the biggest global team event until next year's Ryder Cup in Italy. The great Jackie Burke said at the Ryder Cup when Hal Sutton was a captain, he said, who in the hell do we think we are? We're taking on half the world in one week, one year, and then half the world the next year. And um, so it's, it's hard for us because they can assemble a great team from all over the place and take the best players from a lot of different countries and put them together. And um, eventually, 
you know, the way the game's going, it should get more competitive. It should be harder for us to win. That's why we've lost a bunch of uh, Ryder Cups is because it got more and more competitive. Team USA captain Davis Love III cautiously optimistic this week, as well he should be. From the President's Cup at Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina, for the sunny side of sports, I'm George McNeely. Thanks, George. Oh, Captain, my Captain. George mentioned that Walt Whitman poem at the top of his report. Well, you might say George jogged a poetic memory for me. African poet Albert recited this poem in honor of Uganda star runner Joshua Cheptegei. Cheptegei! He defines the power. Suddenly, time seems to rush abnormally. I don't want to believe, yet I have to. It pinches on me to this threat of the broad appeal. It dawns on me thinking of this speed champion, 12-58-15. Oh, the national icon of men, 5,000 meter race. The perfect inspiration for years to come. The gold medalist of 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. The brilliant mix of fantastic tempo who can stand by these challenges. The umbilical cord to link with other state actors. The wake-up call for Ugandan sports development. The interpreter of the power of Africa. The skilled profession for the rhythms of sports who can stand by this challenge. I am Kondane Albert, an African poet. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Sporty greetings. This is Esebrume, three times African champion in long jump. You're listening to the sunny side of sport on the voice of America. Thanks. Thanks, SA. And let's add two-time Commonwealth Games champion, 2022 World Championship silver medalist, and 2020 Tokyo Olympic bronze medalist to S.A. Brume's very impressive long-jumping resume. In African men's football, Ghana will go against Brazil Friday in a high-profile, friendly international match in France. 
Both teams are using the game as a tune-up for the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. In this encore sunny side of sports presentation, we'll hear comments from Ghana's technical advisor, Chris Hewton, in this report from Yawafusu Larbi in Accra. After a poor showing at the Africa Cup of Nations in January, fans of the Black Stars called for the sacking of the then-coach Milovan Raivac. The FA heeded this call. Raivac was sacked after the Cup of Nations debacle and a replacement was what everyone's mind was on. Fans looked on with bated breath to see who the FA would appoint. In a bid to give the job to a local coach, former Black Star Otoado was appointed. Fellow coaches Masu Didi Dramani and George Boateng joined in as assistant coaches, but it was a technical advisor role that many were surprised at who took it. Former Tottenham Hotspur coach Chris Hutton was appointed for that role and it got fans really excited. The excitement yielded results as the Black Stars went into the crucial World Cup qualifying phase with Nigeria and came up top. Hutton is half Ghanaian. He was born to a Ghanaian father and an Irish mother and says working for Ghana now is huge for him. Firstly, it's a pleasure. Um, and I, I'm aware of um, some uh, talks before, you know, and some speculation before, uh, and I think that's that's normal because my father is from uh, from Accra, so I think that's normal. Uh, I think as regards management, my management has always been, you know, day to day club management, you know, as a manager and, and, a, and a head coach. Um, so at this stage, this stage of my life and career to be involved, albeit in a different role with the, the Black Stars, is uh, something that's a, a huge honour for me. I've uh, always had that connection. Um, you know, my, my background is very different. You know, I, my father, of course, from uh, Accra, my mother is Irish. Uh, I played for Ireland for uh, 10 years and in some, some uh, big games. And, of course, I was born and brought up in, in London, England. Um, but I've always been very conscious of my background. Um, so whenever Ghana played, and particularly whenever Ghana played in the, the, the big games, then uh, I was always there, in my mind, always there supporting and... and uh, absolutely hoping that the, the team would do well because I knew that any way that the team could do well it would be good for the development of the, the country and of course football in the country. I haven't seen so much more than what I already knew. You know, I, I, I know the, the, the history of uh, Ghanaian football, you know, international, more international football, I have to be honest, than, uh, than club local football. So I know the history, I know about the World Cups and, and of course it's, it's how you deem the World Cups and, and always, always, maybe it will change but always I think when an African team gets to the World Cup you know, that is success getting there so I've always been very, very conscious of, uh, of uh, what there is here and the development um, but the, the satisfying thing for me since my involvement is uh, a lot of the young talent that's there a lot of the um, young Ghanaians that are either first-generation or second-generation Ghanaians, even playing abroad, that are now being brought to my attention. So, um, you know, that, that is, I think, an exciting prospect, certainly going into the future. 
One thing Hilton has done very well is to strengthen the team by scouting around the world and speaking to Ghanaians in the diaspora to choose playing for Ghana. Already, six players have decided to play for the Black Stars and amongst them is Athletic Bilbao's Inyaki Williams and Brighton's Tariq Lamte. Two players who will improve the Black Stars team in many ways. This is a subject um, that, that, that I think will always, and you said it's, it's been a, a divisive um, the subject, um, but I think it's, it's a subject that so many other countries have had to deal with. And, and even, you know, I spoke about representing the, the Republic of Ireland, and very similar. You know, they, they have, you know, a, a very good uh, domestic league, um, but of course most of the players play abroad. And, of course, a lot of those players are, are second-generation uh, Irish. So I think it's, it is um, a structure that a lot of international organisations have, have, have had to cope with. And here's one about getting the balance, because one thing that I have been made aware of is that, that um, the domestic and local leagues here is a very good league, and it's very competitive, and I've seen that in my time uh, being involved. Uh, and we have to make sure that for those that are doing well, that they are very much in our thoughts. So it is about getting that balance. Ultimately, ultimately for the senior national team, it's about getting the best squad possible to, to win football matches. The first thing is, is about a willingness to want to be involved and, uh, and want to play. And you know, one thing I can tell you is that in my short period of time here, the, um, the, the new recruits as such uh, that, that we have have showed great enthusiasm so far and, and of course you know, there hasn't been a, a game yet for them to be, to be involved in um, but in the talks that, um, that initially the, the association had with them they showed great enthusiasm so uh, I am uh, absolutely positive that for, for any new players, new recruits that come into the squad, um, they will have no difficulty um, getting the, the right balances. My experiences of the squad so far is it's, it's a very, very good environment to come into, a very competitive environment, um, uh, uh, an environment also that, um, that wants to represent the country, wants to do well for the country and know what it means. And um, so I, I, I would anticipate no problems in them uh, mixing in with the group and, and getting the feel of what's important. As the World Cup draws closer, teams have started limbering up to the tournament. For this reason, the Ghana Football Association has put together two friendly matches against Brazil and Nicaragua. Hutton says these games will be used to assess players and check their readiness for the tournament. Well, I think what, what has happened with the two friendly games, of course, they... Um, we thought they were going to be um, two AFCON games. Mm -hmm. So I think very quickly the, the association uh, have to organise two, two friendly games. And, and, um, and we congratulate them on that. I think they're two very good friendlies. There's a lot of organisation that's gone behind the friendlies. Um, but uh, Otto's, job, Otto's job will be to um, formulate um, what he wants to get from these two games. So, you know, the balance, the balances will be result, because, of course, results matter, and it's, it's good, certainly, to go into a, a World Cup campaign um, on the back of, of winning games. But it's a result. It's 
individual performances, an opportunity to look at uh, individuals because we are now very close, of course, to the World Cup. A way of playing, whichever system Otto chooses to play, that player fitting into that system. Um, and, of course, these two games give um, uh, Otto, myself and the technical staff the time and the experience to look at everybody, of course, to formulate the squad for, for the World Cup. Hilton may be technical advisor, but he's heavily involved in the development of football by reaching out to young footballers and helping their careers. That's a win for football in Ghana. For the sunny side of sports, this is Yao Fusilabi. Thanks, Yao. After the friendly match against Brazil on Friday in France, the Black Stars of Ghana will travel to Spain where they'll play another friendly World Cup warm-up match against Nicaragua on September 27th. The World Cup-bound U.S. men's national soccer team is also in Europe this week. The American men are training in Cologne, Germany, and they'll play fellow World Cup participants Japan on Friday in Dusseldorf, Germany, in another friendly international. The 2022 FIFA World Cup will kick off on November 20th when Qatar will host Ecuador in the opening match. And that wraps up the September 21st edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.